Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and we have uh, kind of a different episode today. I think we can kind of look at it as like niche sites and affiliate marketing 101. And I have a special guest today, Nicole Mays, who pitched the idea to me. And basically, it came through uh, in a very clear way. So we want to talk about the content site creator learning curve all the things that you need to learn before you even start writing one word. So I realized that after something like 400 episodes of the Doug show here, a lot of times I just jump right into advanced topics, even if I'm conscious of, you know, filling in gaps here or there. I try to help people uh, define the technical jargon that we use, but a lot of times I forget and I just jump into a conversation. I've been doing this for almost 10 years at this point. So I realized uh, because Nicole emailed me that uh, maybe we're due for an episode like this. So we're going to go through a, a few areas here. We're going to, number one, learn a little bit about Nicole and how she ended up talking to me at all. And then we're going to go into some of the different topic areas that she found a little confusing coming in with uh, what I think is virtually no knowledge about affiliate marketing. And then Nicole has a handful of questions for me. So those are going to be the three sections today. Nicole, thanks for shooting me an email. How's it going today? It's going great. And thanks for having me. So Mm. Nicole, tell us a little bit about yourself, just sort of like the 92nd sort of summary, and then we'll dive into some details. You have a very interesting background. Okay. So I have just come off a stint of doing pretty much just dishes and laundry for like 21 years. I (laughs) stayed home with my kids and it was hard, super duper hard, just a heads up if any of you are thinking of doing that. Like, I mean, it's good, but it is hard. Um, And before that, I was actually in the dot-com world a little bit. And, uh, it was, I was just thinking this morning about it and I worked at hotjobs.com and it was right when cell phones started having different rings. And I remember we weren't supposed to have our cell phones on, but we'd have our cell phones on so that like, oh, if someone called you and you had like a cool new ring. And I just thought your audience is probably thinking, oh my God, they, you know, anyone would think that a cool ring was, was good or I I don't know. I don't know if you get what I'm saying, but Um, so I worked at hot jobs for a little while, then I was in travel and then I had my children and, um, I modeled throughout my time with my children, just part-time freelance. And then I, uh, decided it was time for me to go back and start earning some cash, which I pretty much had done very little of. And my husband's been working the whole time and supporting us. And I started listening, I believe it was to niche pursuits that I listened to first. And I literally had no clue that people were making money off websites. Like, I don't know how I never put it together that the ads that I thought were a pain in the ass were actually making someone money, but, but they, of course they are. So I was blown away and this was just in like May of this year. So I've been um, just, you know, ravenously consuming all of the information that I can since then. And all the while realizing that like, I don't need more information. I need, I need some kind of smart scale for the information because it's just so much bigger than I ever, ever expected as far as 
it's just like a fractal. It reminds me of a fractal. Like right. every little thing you learn about, there's like the plugins. They're a fractal because there's all these different plugins and there's a little capitalist society around the plugins where you have to buy stuff or don't buy stuff. And it's just, it's shocking to me how big the topic is. Yeah. It, everything gets so complicated. Like there's all these uh, little k- kind of subcultures that I'm in. So like yeah. the personal finance area and then um, beer brewing as well and like beer judging. Mm-hmm. And there's whole like communities that, you know, they get together and they talk about it for a whole weekend and go on retreats. And like, right. there's a whole thing and a whole vocabulary and community that like, we don't even know uh, is out there. So you found Niche Pursuits. What brought you to that show, that podcast? Do you remember? I honestly don't remember. I don't remember. Because I always, I had seen, I like podcasts. So I'd seen like the passive income and niche this or affiliate that. And and I always just thought, no, it's a bunch of crap. You know, that's just kind of the idea. And for whatever reason, when I started listening, I was like immediately realized it wasn't crap just because the intelligence of the guest and the host. And it was this new host guy. I think his name's Brandon or Brandon or something. He's awesome. He's a fantastic journalist. But um, yeah, I realized that these people talking were intelligent and that got me hooked because I was like, oh. Okay. Got it. (laughs) And that parallels pretty close to like how I got into it. So I found smart mm. passive income in 2013, which I haven't listened to that show in a while. I, th- I mean, it, I think it's still going strong, but same deal. I, I think I probably saw similar shows or similar, like make money online topic areas right. and never paid attention. And then after listening to a handful of podcasts, I was like, well, I have to check it out. And then yeah. I think I went down, you know, a similar route as you with all these details trying to figure out, you know, what the hell, like, am I supposed to spend time on what's important? It sounds like everything's important, yes. but it's, it's really, it's really not. So now before yes. we get into the weeds here, you uh, mentioned that you grew up in Alaska and mm-hmm. I, I visited a couple times. I had a great road trip with my parents uh, a couple years ago and drove, nice. we actually drove from Colorado and got to spend, I think we were up there for about three weeks. You know, there's a little drive time to get up there yeah. and it was fantastic. So can you tell me what it was like growing up there? How long were you there? What cities were you in? I was in Homer and you were probably there because most people who drive up, it's the end of the road, kind of. It's um, And I was there from age eight to 18 and I just absolutely loved it. I had come from New Mexico and my it was like, it was one of the first states that had legalized weed. So I forget yeah. that I'm like publicly talking, but anyways, someone who was close to me wanted to be there for that reason. So um, we moved up there and, uh, and I just absolutely loved it. And I feel like growing something about growing up in that kind of nature where you can't escape it. It's just so beautiful in your face all the time. You can't, you're not bigger than it ever. And you're just always, I feel like it impacts you in an unusual way that I didn't quite understand until I was a grown up and people started telling me like, that's weird. How'd you think of that? <laughs> How'd you notice that about that tree? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. And mm-hmm. one thing I thought I would have a hard time with like very long 
nights in the winter. And it turns out uh, it, it actually doesn't bother me. I, I never lived that far north, but I lived in uh, Bozeman, Montana, which, you know, coming from Atlanta where I grew up, Bozeman, oh. I mean, th- it's much it's much darker. And I guess I don't, you don't have to disclose where you're at now, but like you're you're kind of a northern latitude. So you have like some short days in the in the summer or sorry, in the winter and then the long days in the summer. So in Alaska, did that impact you at all or it's just a, what you got used to and it's no big deal. I honestly think that that is freaking brutal. That's like one of my, I'm I'm in the Boston area now. And so that's one of my main things is that I have to do like a full court press on depression once it starts getting the shorter days. And I, of course, didn't have any awareness about that growing up, which is another good thing about the internet is that kids now, they know, like if you're depressed, there's some reason and there's things you can do. But I didn't know. Um, But yeah, I think it's incredibly difficult. And now there's so much more knowledge. Most people in Alaska have like full spectrum lights in their houses. Um, It's just something you have to absolutely pay attention to if you're someone who's sensitive to it, which it sounds like you're not. So that's incredible. I, I, I can't even believe that some people aren't, but I know that some people just, you know, they're just as cheerful on a day when there's like three photons out in the air <laughs> and, you know, compared to one where they're like basking in it. So, but that's not how I am. And um, yeah, I'm glad I know that now. I'm glad everyone knows that now. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's much easier to get the lights and stuff and even just the lighting kits because I'm in a basement. So I have like a bunch of lights around me. So it's really easy. Like in the winter, and I'm down here, I can just like turn on one of the lights, bring it really close. And then it's like me being outside basically. Um, That said, side story, we were just visiting uh, Montana and it was cloudy and rainy for a couple of days. And in Colorado, like we brag that it's, uh, you know, you get 300 sunny days a year. But what I realized, I'm, I have a ton of freckles. I am uh, mm-hmm. fair skinned. I sunburned. Like the sun is, it's too much here. And I, mm-hmm. I realized that I, I maybe should be in a cloudier place. And I, now I, I'm like, I was complaining that it's too sunny in Colorado. The weather's great almost all the time. Yeah. It almost never rains or if it rains, it just gets sunny again later. So it's kind of, it's kind of a dumb thing to complain about, but it's too sunny in Colorado. So I do think people are wired for a certain climates. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, if you're going with that instinct of like, my skin doesn't seem to like it. So something about it doesn't feel right. I really do think that people are wired in different ways for that. Cause there were plenty of Alaskans who were happy as clams, like shoveling in the dark, you know? So <laughs> Yeah. And we could do a whole show talking about Alaska and other stuff, but uh, yeah, we'll shift over. So you you did, it sounds like freelance modeling for a handful of years. So can you talk a little bit about that? Just any broad Mm -hmm. experiences or anything? Yeah. So the kind of model that I was, which if you're, uh, you know, a, a woman or a man, actually, I forget they have the men ones too. If you're any kind of standard size, especially if you're a standard size eight for women, and I forget what the men's is. It's like a 41 regular or something like that. If you're a standard size person, then you can be what's called a fit model. And you basically are just like a live mannequin that, that the samples for the clothes are, are developed on. So you stand there and give feedback and interact with all these brilliant creative people who are talking about adjustments and and. It's a fabulous, high-paying freelance job, and um, I, I 
can't believe how few people at least used to know about it. I think it's a little more common now, but um, yeah. So I did that off and on for years for like, you know, new balance and stuff like that. But I, I've kind of aged out. So the only ones that would hire me now at 51 are like in Florida. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) And then um, I guess, would you work just with an agent or would you have like relationships with like the individual companies and then like keep working with them season over season? Yeah. So it's, um, if I was working in New York, it's agents because that's where all the, uh, it used to be where all the fitting was done. Um, but here in Boston, there's just a few companies. And so I knew them and worked for all of them just independently. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. I, I had no idea. I yeah. didn't know it existed, but now that you mention it, I'm thinking of like all the like t-shirt brands and like the, um, like online and you yeah. see just like random, random people, all different shapes and sizes and colors. And it's, different now. And I'm sure those are, um, just as hard, hard to get or, or you have to be in the right location at the right time or know the company or something like that. But okay, well, cool. That's like a new phenomenon though. Having those are called print models and mm-hmm. the print models. Usually I always joked that you get discovered as a fit model when you're told that you're too short, fat and ugly to be a print model. <laughs> it was a joke. I'm sorry. It does not reflect on Doug. I'm older. My taste level is not current, but, um, yeah. So like the whole different types of print models, that's totally new. You know, it used to be just that the, you know, if you were average size, you were going to be a fit model kind of thing. Got it. Okay. And let's, let's shift. So you were doing some of the freelance modeling, you're raising your kids. Then you're like, I want to earn some money again. Not sounds like you're not currently trying to do the modeling stuff and that probably somehow brought you to niche pursuits it brought you to um like my channel in some capacity mm-hmm. and yeah can you talk about that like were you just searching for like how to make money online or how, do you even remember how you came across anything gosh i wish i do remember i wish i do but honestly i i don't i don't okay. remember what the spark was i just know that the hook was that the people talking about it were actually intelligent. That was the hook to me because I thought that it'd just be, and then come in and, you know, you can have all this stuff. Got it. And then are you a YouTube consumer of podcast or are you on the audio side primarily? Audio usually. Okay. And then is that how you found my show? Yes. Okay. Cool. Okay, well, let's jump into it. So you have put together um, a very good outline, which we'll share in the show notes so people can check it out. And these look like your own personal notes just as you were researching and then refined it down to whatever you publish here. Is that right? Yeah, a little less less heavy on the refining part, but yes. Okay, <laughs> yeah. There's some stream of consciousness in here, but it's totally fine. So there's a couple areas and there are, uh, there's one about vocabulary, which we'll kind of breeze over. Um, I, I think reading vocabulary wouldn't be as exciting, but you talk about like just a niche in general, like what people are talking about, AI, Plugins, there's actually a pretty long section here, and you've already alluded to it. So with um, with plugins, 
I, I actually, I'm just a little, I'm, I'm imagining you listening to a podcast. You maybe yeah. jump in and listen to maybe one of the most recent episodes that had a good, maybe success story headline. And then all right. of a sudden they're talking about plugins and you don't even know that they're talking about WordPress maybe. So exactly. Yeah. T- yeah. Talk about the plugins just a little bit and then like how you went about figuring out what the fuck they were talking about. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it is that I'd hear these people talking and then they'd rattle off like, oh, and then you'll CEO and, you know, just be like a little blip of some. And I was like, what is that? He just said, I know it's important, but I don't know what it is. And so plugins really came out of nowhere for me. I just was blown away that there was this whole I, I didn't know what they were. Number one, number one, no idea. And so just in case you're listening, the way that I think of them is that they're like a little mini software package that you add on to your software of your website building package. But I, I want to hear how you define it though, Doug. I should have thought that you would ask me a question like that, but yes, I, I would <laughs> roughly, I, I'm, yeah. it's, um, it's similar to like a, a browser extension, which people are usually oh. a little bit more familiar with. So yeah, a small piece of software that extends the functionality of like whatever the core piece is. And or whatever the core software is. So it could be WordPress. It could be, I don't use Squarespace, but Squarespace maybe has plugins also. Um, Shopify has plugins. So it's a whole different ecosystem. And I'm sure like other big software packages have them too. You may right. hear it, you know, phrased differently. So a plugin or even like a browser extension or like if you use Google docs or the Google uh, software packages and everything. Um, there may be like an extension or a plugin that you can lay on top of that. So yes. it extends the functionality. Yeah. And that alone is, is a relatively foreign concept for me. It was just mm-hmm. because last time I was really into computers and website building and stuff, there was, there wasn't, you, you had to write HTML. You didn't, there was none of this like, <laughs> you know, WYSIWYG, right. as we called it, the what you see is what you get. That, Yeah, so the whole yes. idea that not only can you not write HTML with this program called WordPress, but on top of that, you can add all these incredible layers of bells and whistles and functionality, all while not coding. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, everything's pretty much already done, which is crazy because like you yes. said in the past, we used to have to, I mean, we would come at it and think, I have to create like a database of like something so I could display all this stuff. And we were going to try and make it from scratch. And I've talked to people who like, actually not even that long ago, I had a friend who was like, Oh, I kind of want to put together a, uh, I think it was like a, essentially like a, a, a apartments.com type functionality, right? Mm -hmm. Like searching Mm -hmm. and like real estate listings and stuff. And it's all like basically all that stuff's already developed at this point. So yeah, right. Not that yeah. you can't add value, but so many things are already solved. And I'm like, ah, yeah, you're you don't want to spend any time on that. So okay. And moving on, uh, there is a section of uh, SEO plugins here. So did, were you familiar with SEO at all before? I actually was because I had I was. Um, I did do like digital marketing and content and uh, sorry, and building websites for like the PTO and stuff like that. Cause I was always a little technically minded, but like I said, it was like 
seriously, WYSIWYG was like cutting edge at mm-hmm. the time. So, I mean, it was nothing like right now. So yes, I'd heard SEO, but it had just barely come out then. And I was very intrigued, but um, I got the gist of it, which is you use words that people are looking for. Yep. And then like, how, how do you feel about it now that you're a few months into like learning about this stuff? Are you pretty like if, if at a dinner party, if someone's like, oh, I'm into SEO, I don't know anything about it. Would you be able to give them like a few minute, like rundown of what's important? I won't make you do it. No, <laughs> no, that's all right. I, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't think that I'm at the point where I even really know what's important. So that's what, that's another thing that, kind of the overarching theme of this is like, I tend to be someone who is pretty confident that I can like wrap my brain around something and just roll up my sleeves and like get it done, you know, which mm-hmm. is just my personality type. It's not that I can, it's just that I tend to be someone who goes into things like that, like, oh, let's do it, you know, more excitement than knowledge. And um, and that has, with SEO, that has taken me by surprise big time, especially because Keyword research and SEO all sound like I can grasp them. I think I know them. But then, so I, I've bought something like 22 domains. And my domains, they, a lot of them, probably all of them, are, are just going to be trash. But they are a great map as far as what I didn't know at the time. Because even selecting a niche, I mean, I've, I started in May-ish, and now it's October I'm just now realizing how complex the SEO keyword research process is and that it's, it's not a matter of there not being enough information out there. It's that I don't know enough to know which things are, are important. So like I need an information limiter and, you know, I know you have the class. We were talking about that. It's like, I want, a professional person to limit the amount of information that I can get my hands on. Yeah. They'll also waste countless hours trying to roll up my sleeves and understand this stuff that there's not enough time in the world for me to understand at this point, you know? Right. I don't know yep. if that makes sense. No, it yeah. does. One, the, the question, the initial question was like, mm-hmm. how, like, could you explain some SEO stuff to just a random person that didn't know anything? And your answer is great because, um, you're acknowledging that you don't, you, you don't quite know, um, all the answers. And I definitely, I run across a lot of people and actually some, sometimes these are the noisiest people in like a Facebook group that yeah. like, they just have the, the, the lightest grasp of a concept, yes. but they sound like yes. the biggest expert totally. um, and they're so confident and it's uh, amazing. Right. It's, and uh, I think that that itself is a symptom of not knowing that that whole, cause I, I would explain like nobody's business at a cocktail party all about SEO, you know, if, yeah. and, but the truth is that I just am now grasping how little I grasp it. But I didn't know that a few months ago. Yeah. And it's, um, people could read this later. Uh, I think it's called the Dunning, well, I know it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And Hmm. basically, if you're a beginner, you'll think you know, you're overconfident, essentially. And as you become an expert, you have less confidence because you realize that there's so much that you don't know and so many things that you thought were true have been proven wrong and blah, blah, blah. So experts will often, uh, like, it's kind of under, um, 
I don't know the word I'm looking for. Yes, yes. Uh, I know yeah, what you're saying. They just, they just don't have the confidence. So it's, uh, yeah, there's studies on it and stuff. It's very interesting to see in the wild too. So, okay. Oh, I wish I'd known about, well, I mean, I know that instinctively, but I think that that little Kruger effect that you just described mm-hmm. is like the root of a lot of problems for yeah. starting out in this content niche thing, especially because I feel like it, it draws people. And I don't know, cause I don't know anyone else doing this, but me, but I like, as I said, I like to be overconfident with very little information, but <laughs> I think it draws people like me who are like, um, you know, just, uh, confident in their ability to understand stuff, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, Anyways, we can move on. Cool. So next thing is uh, themes. So this is one that mm-hmm. actually, I think I probably have a couple podcast episodes where I, I do talk specifically about themes. And this is, you know, such a huge, another big ecosystem of like just um, an, an economy of mm-hmm. like making money and themes are are tough. So I usually, like my overall guidance is usually just make sure the theme stays out of your way to do the things that you need to do. Um, can Ah. you talk about your experience with researching themes and, you know, browsing through the tens of thousands of themes that are out there? Yeah. I think that, um, what you just said, like, make sure the theme stays out of your way. I don't think I would have understood that because I was missing the piece of information that themes can screw your site up. Like, so, you know, my first chunk of just like bonfire of hours that I spent on themes was just getting the prettiest, fanciest. They, I mean, because they're incredible, you know, and there you could spend hours just looking at them. And they're so beautiful. And then I figured out how to get it on my site. And then, um, you know, two weeks later, when I had gotten a little more knowledge, I realized that that will make your site super slow. And so any kind of being found is completely erased by all those extra bells and whistles that you don't want. And the same thing with the plugins. And that was another big realization for me is that that's secondary if you actually want to get found. So I didn't know they could get in my way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, you, you bring up a couple good points and it, it can slow your site down. And the bigger piece, um, Let's say you, you find a theme that does look good and it actually does load pretty fast. But uh, these page builders, I always come out against page builders. Have you heard me rant on that yet? I, I thought WordPress was a page builder, isn't it? So technically, WordPress is a CMS, a content management system. Oh. And then the, the page builders, they do have uh, like a the Gutenberg uh, blocks. Oh, so, yes, so, yes. You know, that's kind of a page builder, but typically the ones that um, I talk about, they're, they are, there's one called, I think, Thrive Architect. I think that's what it's called now. It used to be Thrive mm-hmm. Content Builder. And then there's another one, I forget the names, Elementor, I think oh, Divi. There's a couple no. others. Okay, and well, I want to hear this rant then because I don't know why those are any different. I thought those were just part of, WordPress options. So yep. I want to hear the content um, yeah. or the page builder rant. So, and, and I think um, just some of the terminology may be a little bit off. So like um, I think Divi and uh, Elementor, I, I think, 
they can lay on top of other themes, but mm -hmm. they may also have like a core theme and then the page builder can is sort of agnostic. So they're, yeah. and they all kind of work a little differently, but the, the main point is with the page builders, you can put together these really beautiful websites and you have a great mm -hmm. deal of control over how it looks. The, there's two big problems. One, at least for me, two big problems. One is they take a really long time to work with. So if you're, if you're not a designer, I'm not a designer and I don't care too much about it. I just want to get the text on the mm -hmm. screen so people can read it. And, and basically when you are putting together each piece and building the whole uh, page or the site, you can end up just burning like so many hours. And the really important thing is like getting the content on the page, like get a, the actual words, right? Yes. So if, if someone is a couple years in and their site's doing great and they need to like rebrand the site and they like want to redesign things, that's cool. They, if they're doing it for a specific branding reason. But if you're not publishing content and you're messing around with, um, you know, making the color and the shading just right, that's a waste of time. So that's, that's one. The yes. second part is if you want to migrate away from that uh, page builder to, to a simpler theme, let's say there's some reason you want to change themes. Maybe it's cost because a lot of the themes have recurring annual payments. Regardless of the reason, if you want to migrate from one of the page builders, typically it's filled with um, like short codes or other artifacts mm -hmm. that you have to clean up. So you can't just change themes and everything will work. Oh if you change themes, you end up with all these, like I said, artifacts. So there'll be short codes referring to the old theme. And you, let's say you have 200 posts on your site. All of a sudden you have to clean up 200 like pieces of garbage from before. So simpler is usually better. And the fact is most traffic on many sites is on a mobile device. So right all the bells and whistles are probably going to get in the way anyways. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I did that exact thing with the big fancy theme that I put on there. And then I realized what I did wrong, took it off. But then there was all these like little sneaky little things still in there that okay. were, I mean, and they were in Serbian too. So that didn't help, but you know, um, right. So I ended up just erasing that whole site and putting a clean one on. But it's so true as far as time vampires. Oh, my God. And it's so much more fun to adjust the shadow on an image than it is to write content. It's like way, way yeah. more fun to pick fonts, you know, and yeah. to just get the serif for serif or whatever, just how you want it. So, yeah, and you're, so, you're right. I wish I wish I'd known to know that was important enough to find a podcast that would say that. I'm sure you've yeah. said it 7,000 times, but I just didn't even know how important that was. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can't blame you. You haven't listened to everything yet, but yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the other, the other hard part is there will be people that just swear you have to use like a certain theme or a certain thing. And usually they're affiliates, so you can't trust what they're right. saying. So yes. they're, they're going to just sell it. And I, I mean, I was, 
I was subject to that and I like bought one of the content builders and I was like, yeah, put the box and the shading and like wasted yeah. all this time. And I'm like, this actually looks worse than it did before. I thought it looked yeah. better because there were colors and buttons or something. But yeah, once I, once I figured that out and you like realized how strong the, the sales, um, the sales and marketing was from affiliates. Yes. You know, in, in that you can't, you can't trust people unless you understand their incentives too. So I am an affiliate for some stuff, but very few yeah. things. And as I've done less of it, it makes it even harder for me to like promote something. Cause I'm, I'm like, people really trust any recommendation that I make because I don't totally. promote many things. Totally. I really like how you've been an affiliate for Jasper in particular, because I feel like you've been, I, I haven't listened to all your Jasper episodes, but You've just been like, hey, this is an affiliate opportunity for me. I'm trying it out. And like, it's just, right. it hasn't been like a, this is a, a, you know, most of the Jasper ones, I don't know if they have a huge affiliate program or what, but um, they they're do. really yeah. like the people are motivated to get you to sign up. So um, I, I like how you've done that a little bit more hands off, you know, just kind of like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was one that I wanted to you know, test out and I'm trying to test out other products too, but it's less, um, it's a little less interesting, like eventually a little background on it. Like I did, I mean, the tools have been out for a while and I know yeah. a few of my friends were like, we are making just a shitload of money from this. Like you got, you need to promote this as well. And I was like, ah, it seems kind of crappy. Like, I don't think I'm going to, um, yeah. and I've literally, I probably left, I'm trying to think how many I've probably left like tens of thousands of dollars on the table, like knowing how much they've earned monthly. You're kidding me. Just with one software package like that. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wow. very, very profitable. And like, I was in a good position at the right time to have recommended it, but I was like, I don't think it's that good. Um, wow. And I wanted to test it out. So eventually I was like, you know, there's so many people asking and there's so many people that are telling me that the tools have matured. So um, I am giving it a shot. I I've lost a little momentum, but thank you for the compliment on how I'm approaching that software. So, um, and I think you probably got an affiliate like kickback from me too. So, oh yeah, cool. Wait, so you, you tested out, um, <laughs> you tested I, out I tested it out for, yeah, I think it was like a 10, 10 day sign up and I canceled on the 11th. You know, I like to do things like that. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just didn't pay enough attention and then was in, in it for like a hundred bucks or whatever. And so okay. now I have it for one extra month. Okay. Yeah. So how, how did you find using it? Oh, I think it's, um, it's super entertaining for like 10 minutes and the, the templates are awesome because the templates have a huge amount of just business education in them. I thought they were the best part of it. And, um, and I'm really impressed at how Jasper can make these just like phenomenal word salads. And I want to do, I wanted to do, I wanted to like try and prompt it to say, nothing for like 5,000 words. Like I wanted to see if there was a way that I could yeah. just keep giving it the prompts to actually talk around something without actually ever conveying any information to me. Honestly, I think it's the opposite of the helpful content, quote unquote, 
And I'm so sorry, Jasper, because forgive me, I'm overconfident and uneducated. So just take it with a grain of salt. But that's just my take. However, I do think it's a wonderful, wonderful tool if English isn't your first language. That's the first thing that I thought when I was using it. I was like, wow, if I if I needed, you know, that extra beef in my English in general, this would be perfect because it really does make things like coherent and it's correct and all that good stuff. So. Yep. And it, it definitely, it definitely is much better than some of the first tests that I did a couple of years ago, not using mm-hmm. Jasper, but a, a different tool where, you know, it was supposed to be really amazing. And I, I couldn't really get more, more than like a sentence or two that made any sense. And, you know, using mm-hmm. Jasper a handful of times, I've been able to really put together some decent content. And then if you mm-hmm. go through it and edit it, it's, pretty, I guess, passable and acceptable. I think um, there were a couple more advanced uh, like use cases that I didn't quite figure out, but I think it could be really useful if you could, you know, give it the outline and give it some bullet points of information and then have it, you know, write the narrative and, Mm -hmm. you know, write all the pros out. That would be really helpful because then you don't have to fill in the sentence structure and then you could just come back for editing. Depends on what you're writing. Yeah, that's probably true. But it strikes me a little bit like adjusting the shadows on a on an image in a page builder though. Like it's a lot funner to like fiddle around in there and yeah. to and not really get any content or I would just find myself going over to the screen and just straight up writing content and you know, and not using it. So Right. But yeah. And what, what's your like writing background? Did you have a strong, like, I don't know, writing experience in the past or? Yeah. I like to write. I got to admit. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I've just always journaled and yeah. Took a lot of courses and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, okay. So it comes. But I mean that I don't think that I think Jasper is a better writer than me because it's not as, um, convoluted as I tend to be. It really, I think it's got clarity nailed. Cool. Just not substance. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and it, I think, well, the, the jury's still out. I, I think maybe you've heard me ask for people from the audience. I want to hear success yeah. stories of people right. are using an AI tool. And to date, um, I think one person has contacted me. This has actually been a few months ago, but then I haven't heard back from them. Um, since they contacted me and I occasionally I hear someone's like, Oh, I need to put you in touch with someone. Uh, my friend, Alex Cooper on Mm -hmm. WP Eagle, a YouTube channel. He, Mm -hmm. he said someone emailed him that was, had a success story, but he, you know, he didn't know any other details about it. So I'm, I'm still waiting to hear from someone who's like, I'm making a full-time income using AI tools. Mm, Usually the success stories that come my way, people are writing their own content and like, that's why it's working for them. So there was an English lady on niche pursuits. She has a little tiny, sweet voice and English accent. And she what used it like all the time. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, and she seemed, I mean, she seemed totally legit. Okay. I may, uh, let me know once we finish, let me know what episode that is. I'll check it out and see if I can get in touch with her. Okay, cool. So 
broadly, um, are, are there any other pieces, you know, I skipped over some of the other detail and people can check that out when we link it up. Any other things you want to mention on the learning curve side, anything that jumps out? And if not, we can kind of transition. Yeah. I mean, I do have something else to mention, but am I like, am I talking too much? Because I tend yeah. to. Okay. No, no, it's fine. Otherwise, I have to talk. So, yeah, you go ahead. No, but I want you to talk about this. So I'll talk a lot and then I'll stop and you can talk. We'll Perfect. Do it that way. Okay. Um, I am currently just totally stumped by niche, uh, finding a good niche, which I thought that I had in the bag within 10 days of learning about this. So about affiliate marketing or niche marketing, I'm just totally stumped by the complexity and how hard it is get and all of the tools and how much above my head the tools are. Um, I don't know. So I really like the last couple of days I've been stumped by it. And, uh, and this is after I've picked like 17 niches too. This isn't. Okay. So I just want to give a heads up to people that like, I think there's a lot more to that than what I thought <laughs> because I'm five months in and I'm kind of realizing that, wait a second, I should probably be really solid on this picking a niche thing before I start investing all this time, mm -hmm. you know? So. Okay. Okay. So I have a couple thoughts on that. Number one, and this will be hard, hard for you to take partially probably. Oh. And we, we only just met uh, a few <laughs> minutes ago. So, but after talking to you for a few minutes, I think, I think this could be hard, but it'll be helpful. Ooh, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. Your, there's a strong chance your first site is not going to work out really great. Uh, so yeah. you can still earn money. You can still like get traffic and learn what you need to. But a lot of times... And, and maybe my first two or three sites were this way. I did the same thing as you, by the way. I had like 15, 20 domains. Yeah. And um, most of them were uh, useless. I, I, looking yeah. back, it traced along as I understood more. Yes. And your first site, you're going to make some mistakes. And probably for all your sites, you're going to make a few mistakes when you look back and think, oh, I could have done that a little bit better. So your first site is probably not going to be as big as you think or hope. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is. There's actually a higher percentage than you would think where uh, their first site actually works out pretty well. More often, you'll get started. It'll, you know, you'll get some momentum. It'll be a small success, enough for you to think, now I, I see some things that I don't like that I did. And the next site is going to be the big one. And, and that happened for me. So like once, once I like realized a couple of mistakes that I made in some optimization areas that I couldn't easily correct on a site that was already in progress, I was able to like start a new site and that worked out. It, it you know, you're going to be able to work faster. You won't get hung up on a theme. There's a handful mm -hmm. of themes like, or things like that where the second one or third one will just be easier. So that that's one thing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to put as the point is you don't have to put too much pressure on your first site because mm -hmm. it's not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. This the second area with selecting, you know, your your niche there is you have your list, which is great to have plenty to choose from. My advice has shifted over time. 
And now I, I encourage people to go after something they're interested in or they're somewhat passionate about. You don't have to be, you know, super into it, but at least interested. The reason why is it's going to be an up and down situation. Sometimes you're going to hit a snag and you're going to be frustrated and you're not getting the traction that you hope. You want to at least have the interest so yeah. that um, you're not working on something that you just actively don't like or you don't care about. Right. And, you know, in in the future on your fifth site or something where you like the process and you know what you're supposed to do, then maybe you can, you know, just do something because it looks like a good opportunity, not right. because you, you care about it at all. So, right. and, and the good part is you have your list of 17. There's probably, you know, let's say half of them you don't really care about too much. So you've whittled it down. And the thing is you can still work on each of those topic areas you just can't do it all at the same time or you probably shouldn't do it at the same time. So just pick one, move forward and it's probably going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that leads me to what made me start really cramming some content and it was something you said. And you know how, when you hear someone say something and then five minutes later, all of a sudden you hear it from someone else and it's like, whoa, like I've never heard this in my life. And I just heard this twice in one day, right. but it was so helpful. Um, I, I wanted to like make a big banner of it and that was fail fast. And I didn't know that that was like a business buzzword. I was so excited, told my husband about it. He was like, ah, please, you know, yeah. that's been around for a while, but I hadn't heard it before. But when you said fail fast, it gives me chills even a little bit because something made me realize, it just lined up with what I'm experiencing, which is that what I've been experiencing, which is that you just, there's no shortcuts. You have to go through the process before you even know. And maybe there are shortcuts with those courses, but before you even know how you're not going through the process, right? You have to actually go through the process. So it made me just start slamming some content on there. The fail fast. Yeah. Did. Yep. Yeah. So definitely copy that from somewhere else. I'm sure I heard it from 30 different sources, but I would say any, anything that people hear me say, I probably copied it from somewhere else. So just <laughs> everyone keep that in mind. Yeah. But you said <laughs> You heard me say it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Okay, cool. So yeah, what what else? What else is on your mind? And we could kind of launch in. I mean, you have uh, several questions that you have noted here. So um, yeah, you can I ask the ones about you? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Um, can I say one more thing about me though? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. I hired a boss for myself on Outwork. I just did this last week. And this is another one where I was like basking in my cleverness for like, you know, I, I still am just a little bit, but yeah. I, cause I was on Upwork and I was thinking, oh, here, I was looking at these jobs, none of which that I want to do, but of course I was wasting time looking at them. And I thought, um, you know, or then later on, I was just completely frustrated with myself at like burning another three hours doing nothing. And I thought, I need a boss. And so I actually put an ad on Upwork for a boss and hired someone within that day. So now I have a boss. Her name's Zoe. She's 30 years younger than me. 
And she reads the list that I give her from the week before off back to me. And just that little, like little bit of shame that I have (laughs) for not doing the list is, has made, this is the first week I've had her has made me get be way more on task. 15 bucks a week. So I would suggest that. I've heard um, it's similar to like, uh, I, I feel like, coach there's some coaching app that yes. is similar to that where and i've heard some friends do do that where they were they were the coach they're like hey did you do whatever you're supposed to um, oh it's a coaching app with actual people on it because the people part is the part that would keep me sticking with it yeah i i think so oh. and i can't i can't remember any of the details but yeah, yeah that's the general idea so yeah. that means you're like externally motivated like you don't want to let people down right um i guess i i want people to like me and be impressed by me if you really want to know the inner core raw part mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah i think some part of that is um just in me like i can't pretend like it's not there. I'm not someone who could work in a room and never talk to people and stuff okay. like that. So, yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. So it's working mm-hmm. out just knowing that you have the accountability. Yeah. Just knowing that she's going to be, how about this one? And I'll be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the, the other part um, kind of related to that. Have you like thought about joining a mastermind group or putting one together? Totally, but I don't know how to do it or anything like mm-hmm. that. I've heard people mention it on podcasts, and I've been like, I want to be a part of a mastermind group, but I don't really know how to go about it. But I think that'd be ideal. Yeah. Usually, so I put together mine um, whenever I got interested in it. And just just like you, I just heard people talk about the concept, did a little research, but uh, I just put it together myself. So my previous uh, job was a project manager so I could run meetings and stuff and organize and keep an agenda and keep people on on time and everything. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think it was like in a forum or something and and pulled together or put out a a post and just said, Hey, I'm going to put together a meeting and here's the idea. I screened a handful of people and then started the group. The cool thing, if you organize it, typically you can get in people that are better and farther ahead than you, which is great because that's where you can learn a lot. So, um, did that go for a while? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, actually the first one went on for maybe only like six weeks or so. And then, I, I was very excited with what I was working on. So I like, I did a bunch of shit and then people like dropped off. They were, they were like not interested. They were not committed. And then after that, I've been in a handful of others and some of those have lasted like, you know, three, four years, something like that. Oh, wow. Um, Does that kind of stuff motivate you? Like how I think you have a really fine grasp on how people can waste their time from listening to you. I think that you really seem to get that. So does that external, like, what are like your equivalents of how, of like currently for where you are now? Like, how do you keep yourself on task? How do I keep myself on task? That's a good question. I, so currently the mastermind group, situation doesn't work that well for me, but I'm in a different stage. So, Mm -hmm. um, as far as staying on task, 
I basically want to be at my desk as few minutes as possible. So mm-hmm. is like if I could just get my work done and then go do something else, that's much better. And it could be playing guitar, working out, walking outside, hanging out, cooking, whatever. Um, so like even something that seems like it should be a waste of time is much better than me down here in the basement by the computer. So, ah, so you make it so you don't like working. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, sort of. That's I, super smart. <laughs> I, I do. I actually, I like the work that I'm doing. I, I like to do. Um, but I just know that I'll be happier if I'm away from the computer because I've, I've spent plenty of hours doing things. And then like on the mastermind side, it is great for accountability in a lot of ways. But what I found, cause I'm part of a couple like paid communities, um, and people are very interested, at least in some communities to like grow their businesses as large as they can. But there's mm-hmm. always a trade-off, right? Like if I mm-hmm. wanted if I wanted to do that, I would have to put more time at the keyboard here. But at some point I was like, oh, well, do I have an, enough money for what I want to do? If the answer is yes, then it means whatever you're doing for money, you should do for free. If money isn't the driver, then you mm-hmm. should be doing it for free or you would do it for free because money is not the thing that you're um going after so anyway once i realized Mm. that i was like these mastermind groups often are like people that are trying to maximize the business side of it and i'm trying to work on the life portion of it which is different goals both valid but i'm like i don't need i don't want to have like a eight or nine figure business or whatever other people are going after that sounds terrible to me (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um so yeah my motivation generally to get the work done is to just finish it. Like I am working on stuff that I enjoy, finish it. And then I can go do something else. Wow. So yeah, you're good at um, like stepping back and analyzing, I guess you're stepping back and analyzing what is my actual core motive for doing this and um, like putting it in its box that like, this is my, this is where I earn money period. This is where I earn money. This is not where I am exploring or like. Yeah. It, and I mean, there's, there's some over overlap occasionally. Um, but, but generally, yeah, like the mastermind stuff, I'm not as interested in it. There's a couple of people that I talk to occasionally and it's partially business focused, but usually we're just, we're friends and we're, just, we're just talking. So, yeah. Why are the traffic scores so different between my host Oh, I know what I was tapping now. Okay. Between my host and Google. Okay. And so, and in, in you're talking like the analytics, like the visitors to your site. Um, yes. Okay. My recommendation to anyone new is believe your host numbers because it's okay. really discouraging. So I just gotcha. don't know why they're different. Yeah. I, so there could be a couple things. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I would I would actually generally go with the the Google Analytics numbers, um, but it's probably like bots or some other sort of like web crawler situation. So 
let's say I'm just, this is hypothetical, but I'm just thinking through it. Let's say Google has some, uh, you know, indexers out there, right? The bots mm -hmm. that go crawl mm -hmm. the internet. Your host may detect those as traffic and then they, they count the, the bots as traffic. That said, Google Analytics will have bots and there's other um, mm -hmm. like just not real traffic that shows up on Google analytics as well. But my hunch is the host is giving like just the raw, like any access to the site where Google analytics can give you a little bit more intelligence around it. And you, for mm -hmm. example, can filter out any traffic that was only on your site for one second or less, because you could kind of assume that that is some kind of a bot, not, mm -hmm. not a, a real visitor on your site. Okay. And yeah, so my host, that would, that would answer also why it is that the pages visited are all like the ones that I was on, like the WP admin, right? Okay. So it's counting those too, right? Yeah. So it would okay. count those, I think. Yeah. Can you break down ultra slowly what the traffic numbers are that matter versus the ones that don't? And this is like hits, clicks, impressions, RPMs, users, views, Okay. Generally, I'm interested in, you know, the number of visitors and page views um, from the ones you listed here, like impressions. So that'll be on the Google search console. Mm -hmm. And that tells you how many times your like keyword phrase showed up in the search engine results pages. So if they're in the, I think, either the top 100 or the top 250, I can't remember what, what the cutoff is that oh. shows up as an impression and the clicks are important. Those represent traffic. So if you, you show up for a keyword phrase as a impression and someone clicks on it, that represents like a conversion, someone click through over to your site and they're, they landed on your site. And so, those are always called clicks. I, I think so. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it, well, in the Google search console, yeah, clicks yeah. and impressions, that's what it would be. RPMs, so that that is uh, revenue per thousand visitors. And, you know, that that is important from a revenue perspective. And, you know, generally you'll see that for display ad revenue. RPMs on Ezoic, it's EPMV, so earnings per thousand visitors, uh -huh. and M being the thousand and Roman numeral. I, I don't know why they like why they do yeah. that, but um, yeah. So RPMs, and you, I mean, you can have that number, that metric for you know aff affiliate sites as well, but you tip, you'd have to you know often calculate that on your own on on the other side after you know your revenue and you know the visitors you could back calculate it so i see so the rpm epmv is usually for the ads if when people are throwing that around it's usually they're talking about the ads and what money those ads are making yep not you the got affiliates it. okay you got it and then the other the other piece that i would keep you didn't list it here but like mm -hmm. you know time on page or time on site yeah. I like to look at that, uh, especially for specific pieces of content. So I could see like people are spending a lot of time on this page. Like that's good uh, generally. Or if I see like, you know, it's, it's a very 
you know, 30 seconds, a very small amount of time, like maybe that's not the right thing or maybe the topic area, just, you know, people get the answer and they bounce off the page, which is fine. Okay. Yeah. So what is the number that's good? Cause I've noticed that those numbers are way smaller than what I would think of as good. For the RPMs. time on a page. Oh, time on a page. It really, it, it does depend on the, the niche and topic area, but usually I would say like a, you know, like, two to five minutes is pretty good to, again, depending Ooh. on the topic area. So in the, the thing is like, I think about my own behavior where depending on what I'm looking for, I may Google something, I'll quickly look and, you know, I may be on a page for about 45 seconds because I found what I needed and then I can go on with my life. And it's rare when I actually read a web page and I'm there for like more than a minute. So that's mm -hmm. why I'm like, ah, two to five minutes. And I see that on, on my sites, depending on whatever the page is, someone may spend a few minutes there. And I'm like, that's pretty good. Especially if they maybe were on, you know, the, the number of uh, pages per visitor is another metric. And I see that they maybe went to on average, it's like 1.5. So like a mm -hmm. handful of people are reading a couple pages. That's pretty good. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So do you think people, and th these are your questions, Nicole. So do you think people who gravitate to wanting to build sites for money tend to be the types who want shortcuts? Because I'm like that and it's, uh, it's a deficit. I want to see, is that what you said? Deficit that I want to see and acknowledge and then trick, uh, yes. into yes. working for me. Okay. Right. Yeah. So there are, I mean, I think most people pretty much a hundred percent of people don't want to waste time. And right. I think sometimes people are not necessarily looking for shortcuts. They just don't want to waste any time. So there are another, you know, there's a large set of people that are looking for shortcuts and they will actually sacrifice, a, you know, a lot in terms of quality, um, even efficiency and effectiveness just to feel like they're taking a shortcut. And I think oh. that is, you know, that's like, that's an issue. And, but if you come in kind of, you know, like we talked about the failure stuff earlier, um, basically, I think if you know, you're going to end up wasting a little, you know, in quotes, wasting a little time, making mistakes and failing, and you know, that's part of the process. Like, I mean, really anything that you're trying to learn. So I'm, I've been trying to play guitar more in the last uh, year and a half or so, and there's no shortcuts like the people that are right. really good. Um, there are sure there's like the, um, you know, very rare talents out there in whatever, you know, area it could be athletics or music or art or writing or whatever. There's really no shortcuts. So people that, um, are awesome painters, they probably put in like a huge amount of time doing a pretty bad job and eventually they they got better and better at it and there's no you can't get around it and i think people a lot of people think that you can for these you know maybe step-by-step -step frameworks or something mm -hmm. but there's still maybe some art to it and there's skill i mean that's the thing there's skill behind it so you have to put mm -hmm. in the reps you have to go through and see like the correct way, the wrong way to do things and develop some intuition. So really 
I mean, there's not really any shortcuts. Like I think I probably got lucky early on with a couple of decisions that I made, but I also put in a shitload of time and I like mm-hmm. worked really hard in certain areas. So I'm not sure like if I answered your question. When I'm sorry to interrupt you, you keep going. Oh no, I, I don't, I don't know if I answered your question at all. Oh, totally. That was a great answer. But um, so how many months, so you left the job, you didn't like that job. I remember hearing you talk about that. You left it before you had full-time income or? Correct. Yeah. So I got laid off, but I was. Oh, you got laid off. Okay. Yeah. And then how many months before, I know it was a much different time with those sites, but was it like six months, nine months? How much before you started actually making a significant chunk, like over Mm -hmm. 3000 a month? It was probably only, I think it was probably only a month or so uh, before like going past that. (laughs) But (laughs) I had, but I'd already, I kind of dabbled for about two years at that point. So I, so I kind of knew like what I wanted to, to work on. And I threw a, a, you know, plate of spaghetti at the wall and, a handful of things stuck, too many things. And then I, I whittled it down to the areas that I wanted to work on. So there were some pieces um, that were that were working really well, but I, I didn't like that kind of work. So I, I was mm-hmm. like, I, I got to stop that. Um, that what kind said, of work was it that you didn't like? It was uh, agency work. So I had a, oh. I didn't want to work with clients and I didn't want to build yeah. a team. So one thing that I thought about was, if this was successful, what will it look like in six months, 18 months? And it was going down a, a great route, very profitable. But in 18 months, I would have, you know, a team of like 10 people and it didn't sound in, in a bunch of clients and I didn't want either one of those. So I was like, I'll just get rid of that and work on something else. Um, and then I think it was probably say four to six months until I had like a replacement income essentially. So I see. Okay. But I had the two year head start of like trying a handful of different things. Like I kind of knew my way around. So, I mean, and I would say like for a lot, for most people, like two to three years is probably a pretty good time frame for like earning, you know, a quote significant amount of money where, if you told someone what you were working on and how much you were earning, they would think that that's amazing. I didn't even know you can earn money doing that. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 And I believe the two to three years now, and I didn't, when I first started listening, I thought I'd do it in like four months. Right. Give or take. Yeah. <laughs> it's in this, the thing, like everyone thinks are a little bit smarter than the I average know. person, but not everyone can be smarter than the average person. No, right? I know. It's just so funny. It's funny to be taught that over and over in life. It's really, it's a joy. It's a joy to keep being surprised by your own. <laughs> yeah. Arrogance or you whatever. Know. Yes. Well, and, and then, I mean, and you'll, I mean, we keep doing it over and over again. It, well, the good news is I am below average in most of the stuff that I'm working on. I just am persistent. So if people you are, that. well, I, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, pretty, but I mean, there's no way to really know, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fairly true. stubborn and I, I could focus really well. That's a, it's yeah. a good skill. Okay. 
So we do, we got to start wrapping it up here. So we'll, we'll hit a mm-hmm. um, couple more of these questions. And again, we'll link up so people can read the rest of the notes here. What's your uh, most favorite and least favorite part of the job as it currently is? Okay. So I spend a lot of time at this point uh, podcasting in YouTube and I interview people and talk to them and I really enjoy it. So like this mm-hmm. kind of interview is really fun. I have another show called Mile High Fi. It's personal finance and financial independence. It's a whole oh. other set of people and you know different different ideas. So it's pretty fun. Usually, you know, people I'm catching people in a good mood. Like they they want to have a good conversation, yeah. and it's it's really it's been super fun over the last few years doing that. Oh, nice. It's, as far as the least favorite, there is there's a couple pieces um, that I don't like as much. So I would say dealing with like just random email pitches is slightly annoying. And I've I've gone on a rant, so I'll keep it super brief. But it actually it's a good sign, right? It's a good sign that people are like, "Hey, I want to work with you in some capacity." So it means I'm reaching people. The the more annoying part is these companies and marketers are typically using automated software, and either they're using it wrong or the software has a bug. So like if I reply back and I say, "I'm interested" or "I'm not interested," they don't get the reply. So they'll start, they'll keep sending reminder emails every two days or whatever they've set it to. And this is, uh, it's very frustrating. It's just annoying. So I just mark them as spam, but. It sounds like such a rookie error. I'm surprised that they would do that. Big companies are fucking this up. It is absolutely amazing. Really? So oh. I, um, it, but again, it's, it actually means I'm doing something where people are listening and they like want to get in front of the audience and such, but that's super fun. The the other part is, I mean, I I uh, am in this make money online area. So like yeah. it, there's some you know scammy people out there, and I try to stay on the the good side of it. And I think through like the large volume of content that I've put out there, like that does come through. But at the same time, it is something that I have to have to manage and, and work on. And that also means like some of the audience, particularly on the YouTube side, they are not people that I want to talk to or work with or to even be in my audience. And that that's mm-hmm. a little bit weird, but yeah, there's like a handful of people where they're just, they, they have uh, like dif- different uh, values and things are, it's, just the wrong audience for me. And hopefully like they're, they are turned off by whatever I'm talking about. And then Mm -hmm. they, they find whoever is a good match for them. It's, it's totally fine. Like I'd rather them follow someone that like has the content that they want to absorb and all that. That's interesting. I would never have thought of that ever, but it makes sense. But what fraction would you say of your audience? Like, What's your? I'm sure you don't know how big your audience actually is, but what fraction would you say are these people who are like, yeah, man, tell me I'm going to get that million dollars in two months or whatever? I think you know what? It's probably it's probably pretty small. I would say like under ten percent, something like that. Yeah, 
Um, and, and I think it is mostly on the YouTube side, just from the algorithm and stuff like that. Some weird stuff happens that, you know, you don't intend. The good part is if they, if they don't like it and I'm like rude to them on a, um, live stream or something like mm-hmm. they, they just don't come back, which is like, that's what should happen. <laughs> so yeah. I, I mean, I don't yeah. try to annoy people, but if I give like a, just a, a quick unhelpful guys, answer. Doug is a badass. Yeah. He's a oh, badass. Thanks. He looks like a peaceful, smart dude, but he's actually a badass. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, as we wrap up here, where uh, can people find you, Nicole? Um, at uh, you can look on my website, which is basically me journaling this whole experience, and it's helpful content bites. I thought that awesome. was so clever. Dot com. Yeah. Helpful content bites. And then can I plug my son, my son's stuff too? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. My middle son is 18 and his name is Finn. He goes by big Finny. He's living in LA and he's a recording artist and he's been a brilliant little soul since day one. So he's, and he's been on his own recording, just, you know, doing the hard stuff of building a career. So check him out on Spotify, big Finny. Cool. And we'll, we'll link up for all your stuff, Nicole, really appreciate you taking the time today and um, yeah, looking forward to hearing from you soon and you know, whatever it is you're working on. Thanks so much, Doug. It was a lot of fun. 